to listen deeply and speak truthfully. Words from our congregational covenant. We covenant, we promise to listen deeply and speak truthfully. What does it mean to listen deeply? In everyday life, we have developed listening filters that serve to quickly classify communications. In what I imagine to be an auditory version of speed reading, we listen for keywords, determine the gist of the communication, and decide on a response within a fairly short time. Now, this is a useful skill, except that in a consumer culture such as our own, we can sometimes receive even the most sincere of communications with some amount of caution, if not suspicion. What's she selling, we say to ourselves as we hear the passion rise in a person's voice? What do they want from me, we ask as we hear someone share their problems? I don't know what to say, we think, as if a perfectly crafted reply was called for or even possible. Beyond or sometimes instead of actually listening, we are trying to figure out what is being asked of us and deciding how we wish to respond. How often do I find myself jumping from categorizing the person speaking to predicting where the communication is leading to fashioning a response or worrying about not having a ready response all while the other person is still talking, maybe still in their first sentence. There is not necessarily a problem with a listening filter. I have little doubt that these filters served some evolutionary purpose. <laughs> but the question is, do I have access to the off switch? Can I choose to listen differently? If I listen quickly, I may generously call it listening efficiently. If I listen that way most of the time, I can miss out on what it means to listen deeply. The listening filter does not serve me well when we are coming together to communicate from our hearts, from our experiences, from our uniquely individual selves. And that is precisely what we wish to do in what is known as small group ministry, which, as Allison mentioned, we plan to begin groups in January. Come together to communicate with one another about meaningful things in a way that we don't often get to experience. Small groups of six to eight people meeting monthly provide a safe and respectful environment where we can deepen connections with one another and with our own inner lives. We are invited with some helpful readings, questions, and centering silence to explore our monthly themes, generosity, through the prism of our individual experiences and reflections. Simple, right? But within that simplicity lies powerful potential. The potential to go deep. And to listen deeply may require us to learn and practice new skills. 
new skills. I know it sounds funny. After all, we know how to listen, how to speak. But it is, from my perspective, it is countercultural to listen and speak in the ways we wish to do so in these groups, to listen deeply and speak truthfully about important things. In an everyday setting, I have found it is generally much more acceptable to talk about and often complain about little things than to try and engage or articulate our experiences of big things. Further, we are most used to conversation or discussion rather than the talking stick style of communication, which is used in small group ministry. When someone is speaking, your only task is to listen. When you are speaking, the only task others have is to listen. In recovery groups and other gatherings, this is known as no crosstalk. What? You mean I can't respond to something someone is sharing? What if I don't understand something? I can't ask questions? I prefer to think of it this way. In this setting, you are relieved of the responsibility to respond. You are freed from the task of fashioning an appropriate or helpful reply. Now I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek because I know how automatic this desire can be, how natural it is to respond, how normal it is to carry on a conversation. You say something, I respond. You reply to my response, and on we go. And the desire to respond is often coming from a very good place. We want to be helpful. We are seeking clarification so that we can more accurately understand what is being said. We are offering comments or corrections or consolation or simply providing support. I get all that. And I have to acknowledge that one of the great barriers to listening, to listening deeply, is my perceived need to respond. One of the great barriers to listening deeply is my perceived need to respond. I immediately assess the content of what you are saying, often long before you have finished communicating your thought, because I want to be ready to respond as soon as you take a breath. I wouldn't want there to be an awkward silence, after all, and make you think I didn't understand you. But because my need to respond has pulled me away from what you are saying to assuming what I think you are saying and creating a reply, I am no longer listening, certainly not listening deeply. And you will notice the desire to respond rise up within you. A place that someone mentions will inspire a memory of your own, though you had a very different experience there, and it was not at all like they described it. Or someone will refer to a congregational or historical event, but they got the year wrong. I'm nearly sure that was 2010, not 2008, or was it 09? Or someone is sharing about being caught in a situation that you managed to work your way through, and you would love to offer a recommendation, a suggestion, a helpful hint from your own experience that could give them a new start, a new attitude about it all, a new perspective because they just seem to be spinning their wheels. 
You may notice how naturally, how automatically your desire to respond arises. That's okay. Notice it. Notice it and let go of the urge to speak. Notice it and recognize that the time spent in this inner dialogue pulled you away from listening. Notice it and be gentle with yourself. This is practice. And as my Buddhist friend reminds me, practice is perfect. Notice it and gently but firmly call yourself back to listening. For this too is part of listening deeply. We are listening not only to each other, but to ourselves. We are noticing what happens within us. Where does my need to respond come from? What inspires it? We often think of our responses as what we offer to the other person, but I also experience it as my own need. What is that about? It is worthy of reflection, maybe more appropriately outside of the meeting so you can remain present to one another. And the flip side of listening, as Allison said, is talking. Now, you might be thinking that a good share of us won't need any help in talking. We're doing just fine, thank you. But just as the culture encourages and inspires a particular type of filtered listening, we are also trained to what is appropriate to talk about. We voice opinions. We assess and assume. We analyze and intellectualize. We quote and quip and question, but when do we risk speaking honestly? Willing to be vulnerable, seeking neither approval nor agreement, but simply sharing from our experience. What you may find is that just as listening without responding feels a little uncomfortable at first, speaking without responses also feels a little strange. We are used to being cut off. Normal conversation and discussion, I've heard it described as the art of respectful interruption. <laughs> we look for openings so we can offer our perspectives. I realize that if I pause for reflection, I could well lose the floor. And though some of you here may have these opportunities in other contexts, they are rare enough that most of us will find we need practice at this too. We may find ourselves uneasy with the lack of interruption. We may find ourselves unconsciously inviting responses, else how will we know if we're being understood? if we are making sense, if people are with us. We may find ourselves interrupting ourselves with internal criticism. That isn't what I meant to say. Oh, that didn't make sense. I don't know how to describe it exactly. Again, notice this within yourself and let it go. You are not alone in this experience. Be gentle with yourself. We are practicing listening deeply and speaking truthfully, practicing together. And practice is perfect. Imagine for a moment sitting in a circle 
with seven other people who hold this community dear and who are seeking to deepen connections. Imagine that the theme for the gathering is this month's theme, generosity. You hear some words on generosity. Albert Camus writes, too many have dispensed with generosity in order to practice charity. Sharon Salzberg writes, if we cultivate generosity, the mind will stop sticking to things. Our world opens up because we can let go. Simone Weil writes, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. And you are offered some questions for reflection. Who taught you the most about being a generous person? Who needs the gift of your attention? How good are you at being generous with yourself? Imagine speaking to these questions from your experience and reflections into a holy space created by people who have committed to consistently being there for you as you have committed to being there for them. Listening you into eloquence, into a renewed discovery or a new perspective, perhaps, on your own life. Just as you will offer your attention and listen deeply to each person when they speak. Imagine the possibilities and potential. Thinking of the quote from Paul Tillich that Allison shared, I can't say for certain that listening is the first duty of love, but I do feel confident that listening deeply can be an expression of love. I think that the love that is at the center of the new proposed articulation of Unitarian Universalism is less about an emotion that sweeps over us and more about a challenging skill that we are called to practice and practice and practice in a variety of ways. One way being the practice of listening deeply. And I am excited about the ways we will be called to practice this skill in small group ministry and in other places. The skill of listening deeply. <clears throat> because I think this practice will help us to tip ourselves over and let the beautiful stuff out. So may it be.